Hello and welcome back to Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. And we are so glad to have you back with us uh, for this episode. We were just talking before uh, we started recording. This is number 34. It's hard to imagine that uh, we've already done that many. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's always just such a blessing, Pam, to get back in the studio with you and have these conversations. Right, yes. The whole walking shoulder to shoulder, which I really want to kind of emphasize on that. I listened to some of our older podcasts recently and, and just was like refreshed with the beauty of the the goal we have is we're we're going to be we're going to be walking towards God's truth shoulder to shoulder and today we're going to be talking about some very difficult truths as Megan and I just kind of parse through walk shoulder to shoulder in these difficult times and topics yeah I had a moment of encouragement um since the last time we were here recording where I had a person who told me I've been listening to your your podcast and it's really blessing me And the thing that in particular uh, was encouraging to me is she said, I really feel when I'm listening to the podcast that I'm sitting in on a conversation between friends and it's the kind of conversation I would like to have. And so, um, you know, I think there is maybe a a bit of a a paucity of, of conversations where people are getting together and talking about maybe some of the hard things and are able to do it, um, in truth and in, in charity uh, with each other and not not fearful that they're going to have to worry about, you know, offending or, you know, rupturing the relationship somehow because they say something wrong. I mean, I think there's just so much walking on eggshells happening is, right. in, in relationships now because everybody's worried about, oh, well, maybe they don't see things the same way I do. And is that going to, if I say something that... Um, is bothersome to them or that they don't believe or whatever, is that going to um, damage our relationship? And so uh, instead of kind of trying to navigate those, what can feel like very treacherous waters, they just aren't having the conversation. Right, Megan. And part of the reason is that they don't have the confidence of the knowledge. Like they kind of know what the church teaches, but they don't have confidence to really speak on it. And so today we're going to really try and do a little deep dive to give people more clarity on what the church teaches and hopefully inspire some confidence in being able to have those conversations. Right. And I think we should speak specifically what we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to start a series of podcasts. This is going to be the first one, which is really just an introductory uh, podcast on just the general topic. And then we're going to dive deeper into specifics. But we really have felt called to speak on the topic of chastity and the various ways that um, as human beings, we often fall short in living out our lives chastely. And one of the reasons we decided that now was the time to talk about this, because I know in in several other podcasts, we've said, oh, well, we're going to have to do a show on that sometime or we'll get back to that. And and now it just really it came on my heart very heavily that now was the time to talk about this. And um, one of the big reasons was is because. Recently in the news, um, you know, the Vatican has been in the news because they put out um, a statement that said that the church and its priests cannot bless same-sex unions. And it's caused a lot of, you know, discussion. Kerfluffle. (laughs) Is that a word? (laughs) Kerfluffle. Yeah. A lot of, there's been joy from some people. There's been great consternation from some people and from some people, sadly, within the church even, outright dismissal and defiance of what the church has come out and said. 
And so it just goes to show that even on a, on a public scale, these are hard conversations and they need to happen because these things, they're not, you know, no, the Catholic church is not obsessed with sex. You know, that's, that's like a, you know, uh, something that's thrown at the church sometimes. But the reality is, is that the church understands that human sexuality is a part of our lives as human beings. It is part of God's plan for our lives. And if we are not living it out according to God's will that he has revealed to us through Holy Scripture and Holy Tradition, we will not be happy, holy individuals. And that's the church is a good parent. The church wants its children to be happy, holy individuals. And as a good parent needs to guide the children towards that goal. Mother church, correct? Mother church. Right. And so, um, I think that's been lost sight of to a certain degree with so many people saying, Oh, you know, it's just stuck in the past and want to control my life and want to tell me what to do. And, this idea of, of being some domineering, you know, entity that just, just wants to lord itself over people's lives and everything. Right, Megan. With that, I want to just um, say something I have, I have said on the podcast once before, but it's about the Ten Commandments, which is really, you know, God's law for us, which taken further with the fullness of truth through the catechism is what we'll be talking about today. But my own personal, the way, you know, came into me and then res- <laughs> turned around and came out, like first comes in is, you know, God's law with a big wagging finger from God the Father. But in fact, my people, the Lord knows how to make us happy and whole. So he gave us parameters. He gave us these commandments to live within so that we may be happy and whole. And Mother Church in her wisdom has done the same through the teachings of the church, through what Jesus has said, and through the timeless wisdom of the prophets. Right. And the church is meant to be that city on a hill, salt and light to the world, a witness to God's grace and mercy and goodness and one that proclaims the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and his teachings. That's what the church is meant to be. And the problem I think we're running into our witness as Christians is being very much tempered and even destroyed to some degree by the fact that we are arguing among ourselves about what the church teaches. I mean, there, right. this idea that we get to pick and choose what we want to believe about what the church teaches has become so pervasive that we, as Catholics, are spending so much time arguing with each other that we have no witness in the world. Right, Megan, there's a really good reason for that. And that is, (laughs) who is the sower of confusion, right? This is, my friends, the epicenter of spiritual warfare in our country today. 
because as we know, Satan can twist a beautiful thing and then try and make people believe that it's okay. And that's what we have. The sower of confusion has gotten into this. And so today we're going to have our little own version of our spiritual battle, right? Because we want to really be trying to clarify the air on what our church, our beautiful church teaches. Right. And one of the nice things about this is that as much as people would try to make it seem ambiguous about what the church teaches, it's actually not. It's clearly stated in the catechism about what is the church teaching regarding living a chaste life, what that looks like. And this is something that every single person is called to. It's not, you know, just religious or just, you know, people who are struggling with the same sex attraction or whatever. Every single human being is called to chaste living. And it looks maybe different in different people's lives, depending on where their vocation is and what the things that, you know, they may have existing in their lives. But it's no less a call for any individual based on their state of life. We are all called to chaste living. And so before we go too much farther, Pam, I think what we really want to do is lay out in very simple terms, very straightforward terms, what the church teaches about what it looks yes. like to live a chaste life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone's listening to this and they hear what we're about to lay out, as these are the teachings of the Catholic Church, if you feel yourself saying, well, but, 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 okay, already we're not in a place where the conversation can go towards how am I going to witness to the world? Because if you're within yourself already trying to push back against what the church teaches and try to justify something as being okay when it's been stated as it's not, well, then that's a place where you're going to have to go and ask the Lord to enlighten your heart as to why the church teaches what it teaches and ask yourself, do I really trust the church teaches truth? Because if you don't on issues of chastity, then why do you, you're not going to trust it on any of the other issues either for real. You know, Meg, this, this just reminds me of when I came into the church, which by the way, 31 years ago, I can't believe I'm that young. Wow, you know, it was when I was born. No, just kidding. Yeah, but I'm very excited about that. But I remember um, very clearly at the moments when I was like, you know, I'm really not sure about this teaching of the church. And so I'm kind of in my heart, I would just go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm unclear about this and, and I, I don't know and, and I trust your goodness and your wisdom, but my desire for truth is so large and so big mm-hmm. and, and you are truth, Lord. So help my disbelief, help my unbelief, right. Lord. So we just, we just talked to you today with such love in our hearts as your sisters in Christ, that if you're at that point to even go to Lord and say, you know, I just desire to live closer to the truth. If I'm not in the truth, Lord, show me that. And so we're mm-hmm. going to talk about the truth, but this, that's how to assimilate when we kind of disagree or we think we do, or let's call it a hard teaching. Right. And then there's no problem with struggling with a teaching, you know, that is you're like, oh, this is, this is hard to accept, right? Yes. This is difficult. There's a big difference between struggling with a teaching and struggling both to maybe believe it and live it, live it out. Both of those things 
that's one thing. And, and there's always going to be things that are hard. It, it's we're, This faith calls us to hard things. Christ promised things would be hard. That's not to, that's nothing is wrong with that, to struggle. The problem comes when we take that and say, this is too hard. I'm not going to live it. And I'm going to rationalize my not living it by saying it's not true. Right. Megan, this really warrants that just to take a moment to say that we don't look like the culture as Christians, as Catholic Christians, we do not look like the culture. And so maybe that's where they're coming from. Maybe you're steeped in the culture and you see this um, sexual sin everywhere and see that it's okay for them and it's okay for them. And it's like confusing you that it's okay. No, we don't even look like the culture. We are different. We have different um, standards because of what the good Lord has taught us. Mm, Absolutely. So uh, why don't we just lay out some of the things regarding what the church teaches about chaste living, just kind of enumerate them. And then we can, you know, talk about them in a a little bit of a general way. And as we wrap up, we'll kind of give you uh, the, you know, teaser for, for what we're going to be covering in the, the next three episodes after this. But before I go into the specifics of what chaste living looks like, I think we need to um, clarify the difference between celibacy and chastity. Yes. yes. Because I think uh, those two words get a little confused sometimes. And, uh, you know, they're related in some cases, but they definitely aren't the same thing. So, um, So celibacy... You know, we often think of celibacy, we, uh, most Catholics, the first thing that comes to mind are, are priests and religious, right? And what celibacy is, is really committed to not having any sexual relations because you've taken a vow. Usually, if you're, if you're a priest or religious, you've taken a vow of celibacy, which means that you have decided, because you're called by God, that you are going to give your gift— of sexuality, of living out your life as a sexual being in a physical way, you're going to take that gift, and it is a gift. It's a gift from God, our sexuality. You're going to take a get that gift, and you're going to give it back to God. You're going to say, thank you, Lord, Beautiful. for this gift that you have given me of my human sexuality. I now give it back to you so that I can live a life that is totally ordered towards your service without being engaged in a relationship that could potentially draw me away from that service. Because married life, which is the state of life where human sexuality finds its appropriate expression, is very consuming. You know, St. Paul says, you know, it's better for you not to be married because then you can focus everything on, you know, serving the Lord. But if that's not you know, in the cards for you, then better for you to be married, right? So that's what's, that's where we often think of a celibacy. But you can be celibate as well in a, in a non-religious state if you're in a circumstance where engaging in sexual behavior is not appropriate for you. And so just as I just said, the proper place for human sexuality to be expressed is within a sacramental marriage. If you are not in a sacramental marriage, a marriage between two, a man and a woman, 
that has been freely entered into, then you are called to be celibate, not engaged in sexual behavior. This goes for whether you're attracted to the same sex or you're attracted to the opposite sex. If you are not in a sacramental marriage, you are called to be celibate. Yes. That is how you live chastely in the non-married state as a celibate person. Now, when you do enter into a sacramental marriage, you are now free to engage your human sexuality within that covenant for both unity between you and your spouse and for the procreation of our race of the propagation of children. These are the two reasons that we engage in sexuality in our marriages. So you are free to do that. That is chaste within marriage to have a monogamous sexual relationship within that marriage for unity and procreation. So any sexual activity outside of that union that includes either with other individuals or through sexual behavior with yourself. Self-gratification. Yes. That is not chaste mm -hmm. within marriage. Mm -hmm. So married people are not called to celibacy, but they are called to chastity, which means exclusively having sexual relations with their spouse when properly ordered towards the procreation of children, and unity between the spouses. Beautiful. So that's how you differentiate between right. celibacy and chastity. So so often I okay. think... So can I just ask yeah. you a question here? Because I'm thinking of, you know, I have teenagers and um, they often talk about protecting their chastity. You know, they, they want to be chaste living... Um, until their moment arrives where they enter into the sacrament of matrimony. Is that the right terminology? Are we saying that correctly? Because they, they you know, want to protect their chastity. Yes. I mean, that's uh, perfectly correct. But it's really celibacy until marriage. Right. So it's to live chastely as a single person is to be celibate. Yes, there you go. So That's the it. virtue Say that one more time to live chastely as a single person is to be celibate. Chastity is the virtue. Celibacy for a single person is the way that you live out the virtue of chastity. Oh, I love that distinction. That's yeah. not one that's often been heard. So I want to repeat that too, Megan, because chastity is the virtue, but celibacy is the action. Yes, exactly. Wow. That, so thank you for like really clarifying that. That's why we're doing the show. Exactly. See yeah, because I think sister? it gets confused. It no get, people kidding. get confused I mean, about it. it clears it up for me. Well, and I think one of the things I was going to say is that so often, particular in the issue with homosexuality, when you, you know, they're saying, well, the church is just says that, okay, these people just have to be celibate. They can never have, you know, sexual relations. Like they're, they're just consigned to a lifetime of this. Well, if that's if they only ever want to have sexual relations with someone of the same sex to be chaste, yes, that means that they are going to have to live a celibate life because they are never desirous of entering into a marriage 
with someone of the opposite sex so that then they could be um, sexually active in a properly ordered chaste way. But a single person who is heterosexual, who never finds somebody who they either want to marry or wants to marry them in their whole lives, you know, like the old maid, she is also called to a lifetime of celibacy, yes. no mm, less indeed. so than mm. the person who is same sex attracted. It doesn't have to be, a, it's not about who you're attracted to that defines whether or not you need to be chased. Everybody needs to be chased. And to be chased as a single person, as we just stated, is to be celibate. Yes. No exceptions. No appeals to the heart or the, you know, I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to, any of that. And this is the point I really, really want to make. If you believe that God has called the human race to something, he will give us the grace to live it if we truly desire to live within his will. Doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean there won't be times that you'll want to go against what his design is. It doesn't even mean that you'll never fail, that you won't sin. But he gives you the grace to go to the sacrament of confession, to be reconciled with him, and the further grace to continue striving to live the life that he calls us to. And if we truly trust that God is a good God, a loving God, a father who wants the best for his children, he wouldn't give us a command that wasn't good for us and wouldn't ultimately be a source of greater joy, greater peace, greater fulfillment yes. in our lives. Megan, this is a good point because this is where trust in God comes in because uh, I, I can hear people saying, but this is a good and loving whole relationship. How can this be wrong? And then we have to go back to God has rightly ordered things. And even though we don't understand because we think it feels right or good or loving and all those things, it's still outside of way he's ordered things. So we have to trust him. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if we take maybe just for a moment, even though this whole, you know, series is going to be more about the sexual side of things, say we take the sexual side of things out for a moment and we talk about love in our lives that has to do with a non-sexual love. Say, you know, Pam, you, you and I are both mothers. Can you say honestly that your love for your children is perfect? <laughs> Heavens no. That there's no disorder in the way that you love your children mm. or that the way that you they love you, that it's absolutely perfect. You love them with perfect charity, perfect, you know, uh, generosity, gratuity, everything. Like there's none of your stuff in it. It's completely perfect. Absolutely not. Absolutely no not. I no can't. Um, no the way. love for my children isn't either. It's not perfect. Guess what? God wants to refine our love throughout life. And there's always going to be things that he's going to have to strip away from the way that we love or add to the way that we love. Right. Yeah. So just because you say an aspect of love is disordered doesn't mean that there's not love there. 
It just means that there's further refinement that needs to happen of that love for it to be more fully perfected, right? And that's the same in our sexual loves too. Mm-hmm. So to say, well, how could you say that this is just completely, you know, wrong because, you know, as that you know, it's love. I really love this person. Well, guess what? You can really, really love a person and still have disorder in that love that needs yes. to be further refined and perfected. And to say that you can't change anything about the way I love this person because this is the way I do it basically says you're perfect in your love. God has no work left to do in you. And that, my friends, is the ultimate sin of pride. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So what you're just describing to me, regardless of if you're homosexual or heterosexual, is that we're all walking through a refining fire. That's almost like, how do I love my spouse? Do I love my spouse perfectly? Right. No, I don't love him perfectly. Do I strive to? Absolutely. I strive to. But we are, after all, in exile. Mm -hmm. You know, we were not made for this world, but for the next. And so we're walking through this refining fire through our relationships. Right. And I think as Christians, as a body of Christ, we are called to be that iron that sharpens iron for each other, right? So if instead of calling our brothers and sisters to hire, to helping help encourage them to have greater trust in the Lord, to understand more fully his desires for us, we are not loving our brothers and sisters well when we just say, nah, you're good, you're okay, you know, just keep keep doing what you're doing. If we know it's clearly against God's design, whether it be about human sexuality or something else, right? Love speaks truth. It doesn't just accommodate to make someone feel good in a moment. Right, which I have to add in our culture for the last, I mean, most of my lifetimes, I want to say probably from the late 60s through the 70s and 80s, when political correctness actually came into vogue because you don't want to offend, Mm -hmm. right? Well, that is a disorder in itself. I don't want to offend people, but I would like to speak truth with love. Right. And I think we talked about this once before when we did a show on difficult conversations, just in general, having difficult conversations and talking about if your desire not to offend overwhelms your willingness to speak truth, that is self-love because self-love says, I don't want to be uncomfortable, even if it's at the risk of you going down a path that can be really damaging for you. So I care more about my comfort than your soul. Yep. Sin of sensuality right there, my friends. So I think maybe we should kind of just wrap up this sort of introductory uh, podcast with, you know, kind of what we're going to be discussing in the next three podcasts with really that idea in mind. Where ha- we want to have these conversations to, to help people kind of gain some words about how they can discuss these issues within their, their, you know, personal relationships. And then, you know, from there, maybe in the broader culture with this heart of saying, I'm willing to be uncomfortable in a conversation to speak a truth for love of the other, not for judgment of the other, not for condemnation of the other, but for love of the other and absolute trust that God's 
commands are good and that he will bring good when we try to live in accordance with them. Amen. So because the topic of um, blessing same-sex unions was in the news so frequently and the Vatican has come out with a statement on that, we thought it would be good just from a temporal standpoint to start with that in our next podcast. So we'll be spending our next podcast talking about the issue of same-sex attraction and homosexuality and um, how we can engage in that conversation in our lives. Beautiful. Much needed. Yeah. But the fact that we're putting that first, please don't misinterpret that to think that we think that that's necessarily the bigger issue than the other things, which we're going to talk about in the next two episodes after that. Absolutely. Because after that, we're going to talk about fornication and cohabitation. And fornication is one of these words I think has really fallen out of vogue. And people a lot of times don't even know what it means anymore. Exactly. A lot of times people, uh, they get fornication and adultery mixed up and all that. So we'll, we'll, clarify that sort of thing and cohabitation is not the same thing as fornication it's a different thing but often they go hand in hand so that'll be what we'll cover next and then after that probably maybe one of the least comfortable topics we're going to talk about um pornography and masturbation yeah Uh, so this is more of a personal uh sins against chastity that don't necessarily have to involve another person. Although every single sin that we live out in our lives does involve other people, even if we think it's only our own, because we are called to be very specific and unique witnesses to the world in our Christian lives. And when we are living in sin, especially mortal sin, we are not being that light and salt to the world that God created us specifically uniquely to be and that hurts everybody else that's right it actually disfigures you in in your own personality and starts to change your personality and i've seen that firsthand in people who choose to go down a path so we want to make sure all our brothers and sisters are whole and wonderful and loving and that's why we just feel so compelled to talk about these difficult topics and how to try and set us on the right path that the mother church teaches so we hope that you will Stick with us through these next few episodes that may be some uncomfortable topics, some things that maybe you struggle with yourself, and uh, just continue to pray that the Holy Spirit would just continue to enlighten hearts and minds, ours, yours, the whole church, uh, that we can live in truth and goodness in light of God's love for us. My brothers and sisters, this is a spiritual warfare, and this is part of the battle, is being able to separate the dark and the light. And so we hope that you'll stay with us in these next few episodes. Come back next week. Absolutely. So we are really going to ask you to just walk shoulder to shoulder with us during these next few podcasts as we discuss these topics. We're praying for you. Please pray for us. Until next time, God bless. God bless. God bless.